Hi, Kevin Murphy here. You're listening to Conversations with Kevin, a show about innovation, creativity, product and purpose. It contains all the ingredients that make up what Kevin Murphy is and what we stand for. So I'm Kevin Murphy and this is Conversations with Kevin. Welcome to Conversations with Kevin. I'm Nathan Gorman, Headmaster for Kevin Murphy, and we are discussing a really exciting topic today. It's part of our High Tea podcast, which is called Express Yourself, and it's all about short hair. Short hair is an expression of modernity, and how we actually express our outward appearance has always been a construct of who we are as human beings. Updating or changing our look is rarely by accident, and it's almost always used to express what we feel who we are and who we belong with. You could put it as the tribe we belong with. Um, An update in hair colour or a fresh new cut has shown the potential to boost self-confidence and leave people empowered. I mean, as hairstylists, we've known that forever, but that's the truth. The haircut is an accessory. But in our high tea trend report, Express Yourself, we actually want to take it to another level and show you that it's much more. But what is a high tea report? And what is all about this short hair and what does this mean? I actually have some very special guests and friends today to help round this out for you listeners. So James Nicholson, who's our Artistic Design Director, I'd actually like to introduce James. So James, what have you been up to? Where are you and what's your life looking like in a snapshot? G'day, Nathan. Hey, everyone. Um, It's great to be joining you today. Um, I'm in London. I've been based here for a little while. Um, and w- what's going on over here in London? The, um, the world's starting to wake up a little bit here. We're, um, salons are back open um, and, you know, working to um, our new ways. Um, and it's great to be here talking about the high tea package. I'm really passionate about, you know, this, uh, the, you know, the short hair movement at the moment. Fantastic, James. Now tell me, is it over 20 degrees in London? <laughs> it's not the middle of summer, Nathan. Is everyone ripping off their clothes <laughs> and lying in the park? Yeah, it only needs to be over about 12 or 15 over here. Oh, I love it. It's one of the best things about London. So (laughs) next we have the incomparable Kate Reid, who's the Colour Me Design Director for Kevin Murphy. Uh, Kate, what are you up to? Where are you? Uh So I'm in Sydney, Australia. So we're over here. I'm in the same place as you, Nathan, which has been really great. lucky to be back in Australia, but we are trapped on an island very far away from everything. Mm. Um, it's so nice to be together and have a chat because, God, I miss working with you all and hearing your perspective and jokes and um, everything. Mm. But, you know, lately we've just finished shooting um, the campaigns in Australia. So it's been exciting and we've still been able to um, do a lot of cool things. So I feel really lucky um, about how everything's going. Mm. The thing about Australia is our isolation has has put us in good stead, but it also means that we are a bit locked down as a country, not as a, as a, it's, you know, we're not locked down in our houses or anything like that, but we're locked down in terms of international travel. So let's now go to Belgium. One of my good friends, and I know Kate and James, one of your good friends also, Pascal von Lohenhout. It has been a special birthday, but I won't say anything about that. Pascal, how's life for you? Because I know you've been locked down, locked out, locked in, whatever. What's been happening? Hi, everyone. Hi, dear friends. Um, well, first of all, it's it's great to be able to connect through this uh, podcast. 
Um, yeah, after quite a, a full-on weekend uh, celebrating my 50th birthday, I'm going to just spit it right out now. Um, it's been uh, a slow road to recovery when it comes to <clears throat> uh, reopening our salons. And even though my creative part uh, in the business, you know, traveling the world, uh, doing education, I also run a salon myself still. Uh, so the salons are busy because people were desperate to have their haircuts. And um, I think life in general in Antwerp is just slightly recovering because uh, we are allowed to sit outside with drinks on the terrace. But uh, <laughs> due to very extreme weather conditions, um, the summer hasn't quite kicked in as yet. So it's it's... It's a bit double-sided because people are allowed to be outside and, and starting to socialize, but the climate hasn't really been on our side for this. So, um, yeah, we're just kind of slowly getting into our social life again. And uh, I can't wait for the borders to open because I'm getting um, really, really eager to start traveling and, and see my friends again from all over the world. How much do we miss each other, guys? A lot. 100%. A huge amount. A lot. Yeah. Honestly, I miss you guys so much. It's absolutely true. I miss you guys so much. Now, I I actually want to start with James. But, you know, and James and I can sit on the terrace and have a red wine and wax lyrical about hair. And we're going to bring you into that circle with all of us today. So we know that short hair has a bit of a voice. It has a cycle and a feeling regardless of the age that it actually sits in. In the vein of kind of looking forward to go back or looking backwards to go forward, we say that so much, we explore what is what it, what it is, the simple act of cutting your hair. And, you know, why does it seem to represent either confidence, change, individuality, and it's an indicator of a movement to break from something that we've outgrown. James, I'm going to throw you a very heavy question for the first question of the podcast. What have we actually outgrown? Very good question, Nathan. <laughs> uh, but I've reflected on this, and it's the thing is, in this time right now, it's uh, and in the light of the social and political upheaval that we're living in, um, I see this. It's a it's a move both to the collective consciousness and who am I as an individual. Uh, I find people, you know, all asking the question like, who is my tribe? Um, you know, and we want to seem to express ourselves as one of that tribe. Um, who, like in the light of Me Too and the Black um, Lives Matter uh, movement, agrees with the rethink of society and the breaking down of old value systems that we can no longer align with? Um, I know it sounds heavy, but that's uh, that's the times we're living in. It's so oh, important. Yeah. I, I think it does. I mean, and I think that fashion fashion has a soft voice in change, and I think that that's absolutely True, James, you raised some very valid points that I'd like to unpack a little further into the podcast. So, Pascal, what do you see it is? Well, I, I think when it comes to the salon situations, they always say that you get the attraction of clients and the reputation that you deserve. And I think through my whole career, without not being aware of it, I, I always um, took kind of gender out of, you know, consideration it was just a case of, you know, doing hair. And I seemed to develop like a passion for short hair. And, and over many, many years, if not decades, it became 
a strong part of the game that I do without being aware of it. And and I like to play with lived-in longer hair for men, for example, but I also like um, to play with short hair in in the context of um, short hair. It's so it has such a strong exposure of someone's identity in the first place when it comes to facial features or face shape or uh, the density, the, the structure and the quality of hair that I initially always take it from a suitability point of view um, in the first place. But then it's like working with short hair, it's so much about the proportion and, and the shape of how you can play it around and make it relevant to, to pe- for people to express themselves so strongly with their individual identity that I found that a very nice playground to, to, to mm, play the game. Right, but don't give away all your good ideas so early in the podcast, Pascal. Yeah. But <laughs> I right. see it as this. Individuals make a bit of choice on their lifestyle and on their tribe. And, and you know, James mentioned collective consciousness, and that's the fact that we all actually suffered lockdown and we did things that were for the good of everyone, and now we actually want to identify with those people. I know that sounds strange, but it's something that happens sociologically speaking. Um, it's a freedom that's gained and it's a desire to represent that freedom. So I know that Pascal and James, obviously part of this package is walking in Antwerp and it's where we look at short hair from sleek to hard-edged shapes and it's a rejuvenation of timeless styles. But I want to ask Kate Reed, our design director for Colour Me, what does short hair mean to you? Yeah, it's a good one when you're working with colour because having short hair is so... Um, great that you don't need to consider, especially if the person's keeping it short, what you do today, you know, it might not be relevant in a couple of haircuts. So it gives you this unlimited creative um, opportunity. Mm. And I know working with Pascal for, I don't know if it's six or however many years now, I've got this new appreciation for short hair, which, you know, I didn't have maybe so much before because you can create you know, whatever you want, whether it's a bold statement, um, but colour is so important to how you finish your look. And all those variations of depth, reflect, they create texture, dimension or smoothness depending on what you want to enhance or your haircut. So um, you can strengthen, soften, so it all depends on your desired outcome. Basically colour, I think for me, and being a colourist, of course, it's the ultimate finish to any haircut. Um, If you want to make it look choppier, smoother, shinier, especially with all the products that we have today, Mm. um, with short hair, like I said before, it's completely experimental if you're allowed to do that. So I feel like short hair clients tend to be a little bit more open to suggestions. They can be a little bit more brave. Sometimes they live in a in the moment more because obviously if they decide they're going to go with it today, it doesn't really matter in two months if they liked it or didn't like it. Um, not like, you know, how a long client feels about having those changes. Um, so there's that ability to reinvent themselves to be colour almost each time that you cut your hair. Um, and you're not working with like those long build-ups. So for me, it's really the colour of stream. Mm, it's perfect, actually. I mean, I must say, though, Kate and James, James, aren't they just getting their Christmas haircuts in the UK right now? <laughs> It's, um yeah we I think it was maybe a week before Christmas 2020 when we went into <laughs> lockdown and it was only um you know 
still only a couple of weeks ago that um, salons were allowed to reopen. So, yes, people are getting their mid-December haircut. Now. What about you, Pascal? It's much the same, yeah? Yeah, well, I I just got hair now. That's, that's <laughs> what I love doing. That's what my reputation came of. So I've been fully booked with, with haircuts. I see quite a strong transition into like really individual kind of timeless styles that are rejuvenated into something that looks kind of contemporary and modern. But most importantly, it looks relevant to the, the personal style of the individual that is actually choosing the haircut. So I think this post-COVID um, principle that we have happening at the moment is that that people seem to go for a timeless signature kind of style that fits their personality instead of going for the fast-moving trends. Mm. So, James, I want to circle back to something that you were actually saying in in an earlier answer, and you were talking about in light of the social and political upheaval we're living in, uh, collective consciousness, and you mentioned Me Too and Black Lives Matter. I mean, this is getting a little political, isn't it? It is. And it's important to understand that fashion has long been used as a political tool. Um, haircuts, they can affect relationships between people and they can help them identify, you know, both as an individual and, and as a collective. Um, people often use the act of cutting one's hair to symbolize like a pivotal moment, a change, a renewal of self. Um, and, you know, it's a part of that decision making when you're sitting at that crossroads. Um, you know, it's a, fashion, it is. It is political, it, but it's, as you mentioned before, Nathan, it is a soft power. But nonetheless, it is a power that can help to break down walls and it can help people certainly to express themselves. Yeah. And, you know, like Kate and James, as I asked this next question to our, our beautiful friend Pascal, I actually feel really stupid because... <laughs> Pascal, it's just a well, haircut, right? I, I, yeah, well, it's just a haircut. Uh, I, I see it as as the ultimate accessory to the the total image because it, it's so so much responsible for the appearance of of who you are as an individual. And it's like, you know, it's like the outfit is actually complemented by the best pair of shoes or, or the most beautiful handbag, which is probably even more important than the outfit itself but then you have the hair on top of that that's i i believe is is the most important accessory and it's also it's not something that you can change with every outfit or with every occasion once you have that cut into place it needs to be adaptable it needs to be changeable into whatever occasion you're you're facing up to mm. hey what would you say to them yeah, I honestly, I've probably, you know, I used to love working with Pascal and saying to him, oh, it's just the same haircut, like it's another short haircut. And I used to love just how furious he would get at me. <laughs> <laughs> We've argued about that in all sorts of areas in the world, haven't we, guys? I love it. But, you know, the reality is a short haircut when it's done well, there's nothing better. And the finish of it is so important. I think, you know, however experimental you are with your haircut and color, I think it's great. And, you know, you don't have to worry about your long-term plan like long hair clients do. So I, I feel like it's really a dream creatively. And, you know, but I feel like people who wear short hair, they really need a mm. good hair cutter because, you know, there's a difference of pushing your hair into shape and it just being like perfection. Mm. 
and being able to move around and stuff. That's right. I mean, I'll go out in a bit of a limb here as, I, as I'm as i going to throw to James, but I've been watching Halston on Netflix. Have you guys watched that? No. No. Yeah. No. Oh, well, you've got to get in it. So there's a pivotal scene where Halston decides that he can make Liza more Liza than Liza and, you know, her her haircut... Love it or hate it is an iconic haircut of the early 1970s, kind of coupled with the Houston fashions of the time. You know, James, what are the benefits of a great haircut? Because it certainly worked on Liza. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm a huge ambassador for short hair. Um, so you're the right person to ask. I mean, I would say it's welcome to the ultimate face frame. You know, a well-designed short haircut, it can hero your facial features. Um, you know, they air dry faster. It's, you know, which is incredible for like having a wash and go style. Um, you know, for stylists, they, stylists have the ability to individually tailor and personalize short haircuts in order to create suitability for their clients and their lifestyles. You know, getting this balance just right is the key to a bespoke style and like the ability to increase, mm. your, you know, your, and as a stylist, to increase your client's confidence and self-esteem. Mm. It's true. And, you know, the thing is that short hair, it has constant revivals from timeless, minimalist, effortless cuts to bold individual shapes with personal touches. And, you know, like we're, we, we're going to address this a little bit more um, in, in our conversation coming up, but it's not since the late 90s, early 2000s have we seen this wave of powerful, strong, short hair um, uh, beyond the trend. It's a movement. Mm. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I feel you wash your your passion washing over us, James. <laughs> Pascal, just a, a quick impromptu question for you about that is, I mean, no two short haircuts are the same, are they? Oh, no. And, and I think that was so lovely that, you know, since the seven years I've been working with the team that initially, you know, you, you're doing kind of shapes with a similar reference. But when you start the eye opener with with the little details coming into place where it comes to shape uh, a certain contradiction into the proportion or the the multi-textured feel um, that actually changes the whole direction of the haircut or the whole appearance of how it's supposed to look. It's about proportion, it's about shape, it's about contradiction and it's about finding that perfect balance between establishing a foundation and then with like a, a high textured or multi-textured visual feel being interrupted, uh, interrupt that shape for for imperfection that actually make it looks pleasing to the eye. You know, I, I like to work with a certain awkwardness in, in, in hair and I like to mm. work with, with strong individuals um, that have these little imperfections maybe in their facial features and, and like to expose that slight awkwardness in a very you know, gentle and delicate kind of way to make it actually look pretty. Mm. Yeah, there's nothing like when Pascal says exposed. That's all <laughs> I'll say. Now, I, <laughs> I, I, I want to touch on um, a little bit like you mentioned, I think you mentioned the 90s, James. I want to touch on some of those revivals of short hair because as we said in the opening Short hair has a really strong history. Like if we were actually to use a bob, and and I use the term loosely, a bob, as a case study, it's it's coincided with rapid social and political changes in, in what we call the West. 
Um, we may think of the Bob as something that lived in the flapper kind of induced 20s or the, what were they, Bonnie and Clyde, Faye Dunaway in the 70s kind of came back with that. But it dates back as, as far as Joan of Arc. In Express Yourself, our high tea trim report, we wanted to actually explore the cultural impact of cutting one's hair as well and how this often aligns with shifting values in society. That changes that, that that sounds really huge, but it's actually what we do naturally. We want to give you the inspiration and ideas on how to actually navigate this time and change for your clients if you're a hairdresser or for yourself if you're just kind of, you know, voyeuristic and tuning in on conversations with Kevin. I think fashion's no longer a stamp of approval. It's about expressing who you are or who you align with. Pascal, what's the timeline of the last 100 years? This is a huge question. The last 100 years or so, and what do we need to know about short hair? Well, for me, the most important origin of short hair was, you know, was the 20s, the flapper girls, when when women, you know, just uh, started to drink alcohol in public and smoke uh, cigarettes and start misbehaving. (laughs) Don't you miss those days? <laughs> <laughs> and the haircuts that there was, you know, those those really edgy bobs and and short little heavy shortcuts, like almost these, you know, um, like heavy pixies. It was just um, an exposure that that just belonged to that whole era. Then the thirties was more about movement and textures. The forties were again inspired inspired by the 20s and that's how the 50s were inspired by the 30s and that's always how we go into cycles where I feel Mm. personally very strongly related to the 80s which was a reflection of the uh, the 60s and then working together hand in hand with with you guys Mm. but with Kevin who's always has a strong influence from the 70s was for me for me, it was very interesting, you know, as, as, as a guest designer's cutting in the beginning to have this influence from Kevin Murphy, which has a lot of looseness, a lot of texture, a lot of movement with, uh, myself being strongly mm. inspired with, with heavy lines and density and, and very broken edges. And I think when, when this was put all together as a team and, and our taste was like, um, like, put in a team and, and, and put on the drawing board that we, we came up with probably the best case scenario of how our individual ideas were put out in a mood board initially and then were translated into making collections that were relevant uh, to both decades, whether it's 70s uh, or 80s or how then later the 90s relate to that. Mm. Um, there's a particular article that we pay a bit of homage to, isn't there? And you you and I are fashion nerds, but I must say you see me and up me a thousand. So what is that article? <laughs> um, yes, you refer to um, uh, a, a fairly important moment uh, in 1998. It was Jodie Shields. Um, she was a former editor at, um, at Vogue, and she published an article titled um, Call Me Garçon. Um, and using the French word garçon, which refers to um, uh, an, an, an empowered um, and uh, uh, kind of genderless, um, powerful female character. Um, the article recounts the Bob's history, you know, as a symbol of strength and change for women. Um, and in the article, she was noted that the short hair comeback of the late 80s, it played to the theory that hair tends to change with changes in clothing silhouettes, 
Um, however, more importantly, it also points out that um, these these changes are inextricably linked with changes in culture, um, which I think is really relevant. I think that's amazing. I, I think that's absolutely amazing. Kate, what would you say to that? I feel like I learned so much working with you guys and constantly Googling these references. And, um, (laughs) no, but it's great that everyone comes with their ideas and everyone puts it all together. But, you know, the voluminous skirts and the shoulder pads of the early 1980, you know, gradually deflated. So more sleek bobs became the natural choice to go with and the minimal fashions that um, continued into the early 1990s. So, you know, this is probably what more, you know, sits with me as as a memory Mm. of growing up. But, um, you know, Linda Evangelista and that chopped and gender neutral Mm. haircuts was a... Queen, queen, queen. Yeah, really. Like, I just think Supermodel and she's just one that really, you know, stands out. Um you know, to the -the over-the-top 1980s and they gave us a visual representation of change um, and allowed the wearer to identify as different, which is really cool and was, you know, something else. So that was part of a new collective. Mm, So in a way, I mean, we went from like (laughs) Melanie Griffith in Working Girl with those flicked-out sides and that hideous fringe to like something really sexy, like the Lindbergh kind of shots of the of the nineteen nineties, didn't we, James? Exactly. And but I think what's what's important. You mentioned the Lindbergh photos of the nineties was they were timeless as well, and they were it, that was referential in in everything from the styling to the hair. It had that timeless feel. It could be anywhere, anytime. Mm. I think we throw them up every year anyway, don't we? Don't we? We should just keep the same printouts and stick them up on the wall. Yes, we're lo-fi listeners. We actually print things. Kevin runs around with a printer. Now, Pascal, what makes a great short haircut? So you're referring to me now because you're referring to the printing, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. You'd use an abacus. No, not an abacus. You'd use a, a, what's that read, Matt, that people used to write on in ancient Egypt? (laughs) Okay. Well, um, what, what what makes a great haircut? You have to start from a very good printed visual reference, I guess. Yes, let's go back to the question. <laughs> um, no, I think it's important to to have the wrong inspiration for yourself to start off with, whatever rocks your boat. I mean, for me personally, I need to see hair to be able to do hair. You know, it's it's. I, I don't get inspired by architecture to, to then put the architecture into a geometric kind of haircut. I need to see bad hair to do good hair. That That's what, what works my boat personally. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Um, I think to do a good haircut, of course, you need to master technique. I think it's very important. It's It's a combination of four, I think, really important elements uh, and having the right... Um, balance between them where first of all it's it's mastering technique it's mastering a technical skill uh, and then it comes to feeling vision and taste and unfortunately mm. there is I don't believe there is academies uh, for feeling vision and taste so there is academies for technique but then I think being surrounded in the right crowds um, being inspired by uh, street culture subculture magazines that actually have that trigger in you to have a visual reference and inspiration. And, um, yeah, just by mastering your technique, you, you have the ability to 
to produce a strong foundation and have the confidence to actually mm. play around. And in all honesty, we're playing around with a dead fiber on someone's head. So it's like, I don't know how many thousand strands of dead fiber that you're trying to put into mm. a certain place. So uh, to have, you know, to have the ability by, by using a technique in, 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 in cutting it into the right place and, and making it look, look great and, and create that longevity of two months. It's, uh, I think it's, it's, it's something that's, that's really special, uh, for me personally. Mm. I love short hair and I love cutting short hair in the salon and, and I recently transitioned my salon from one salon to another and merged salons with my, my partner and, and it was to me, and I'm sorry, Alex, if you're listening, but we at, at my salon that merged and we uh, we love short hair and we started doing all these short haircuts and everyone was like, oh, my God, how do you do that? And I think that, Pascal, you raised a very valid point. It comes down to taste. Um, technique is one thing, taste is another. And I think that sometimes, you know, editorially speaking, and James, you might want to speak to this, but um, editorially speaking, you can you can put a good shape in someone's hair if you have taste, but it may not be technically the nicest haircut either. Well, <sighs> Yeah, exactly. And you raised such a relevant point. Some of the best haircuts I've ever seen have been, they're not what I call naive haircuts. You know, they're, they're makeup artists who've got no hairdressing training, who pick up little, um, you know, like the, yeah. um, the, the little um, nail scissors, which are curved on the ends, like little mini versions of our curved scissors. And they do these naive haircuts, but they just, it's innate in, in, in sculpture or something is in them, you know, and it, it works. You know, so no matter if someone who comes along and does it technically right and it doesn't look good. It's like a kid patting a fringe, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. Kate, you are not allowed to cut your own hair. You know what, guys, if I just can chip in for a minute, it's such a valid point because I, I, I spent yeah. so much time learning uh, my skill technically and I just became a better hairdresser from looking at you guys putting hair into place or looking at uh, the naivety of a makeup artist doing a last minute fringe him on a photo shoot yeah. to actually develop my taste and my, my haircuts got so much better in the last few years than they, they, they were ever before so it's it's such a valid point James and Nathan thank you for that mm. well definitely that's a, yeah. well you made us better hair colours too Pascal it works both ways so a segue for our listeners is to go from those nail clippers that are curved mm. to we all love our curved Kevin Murphy scissor. I mean, I actually, and I've taken leave from the salon right now and everyone's like, how do I do your haircuts? And I'm like, do a light undercut and then create a beautiful baseline and then create, whack the rest off with the curved shear. <laughs> like just do that. Like, honestly. I love your reference. Mm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It is. It really is. And it really is about those 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 curved scissors from Kevin Murphy changed my life. We won't go into Knoxville, Tennessee. We won't go into <laughs> any go of there. those stories. Don't go there. <laughs> but James, can you outline what they are and, uh, and how you use them? I I mean, my, my hair cutting is I live and breathe our Kevin Murphy curved scissors. It's, you know, it's in working with this beveled edge tool that you learn about 
how easy it is to unlock motion. You make deep incisions that just melt into the haircut for an, like an organic effect. You know, they, I go on about face framing. It's the ultimate for face framing as an mm. accessory. You know, you can carve in shapes around cheekbones, jawlines. You can like accentuate necklines, mm. you know, and driving hair in the direction that you choose. Yeah, and Jane sounds obsessed, and that's because we all are, because I, I couldn't actually survive my salon day without that. Like the the curved scissor allows me to create the baseline I want and then actually drive the hair in the direction I want as well, doesn't it, Pascal? Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, James, you made it sound so sexy. I just, as soon as this podcast is finished, I want to cut some hair. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, on top of how amazing you can... Uh, distribute the right band into the hair, make it look very organic, you can actually do that by just chopping deeply into the hair, uh, create a very raw, undone, editorial-looking textured haircut, which looks like it's cut very visually, but it's actually done quite technically. And also, you don't actually damage the cuticle of the hair because we have done... Uh, half moon shapes of hair kind of sliced out of the hair shaft in the past. But you cannot do that without damaging uh, by using a razor or slicing into the hair. With the curved scissors, everything is possible by just literally chopping into the hair shaft and not damaging the hair. Yeah. Mm, it's a very valid point. Like in a past life, I worked for another brand and we used a lot of razor and the haircuts would look amazing initially and then six weeks later they came back, they looked like they'd walked through a, a, a naked flame. They'd done a fire pit ritual <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> 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 I bet you they couldn't get it anywhere else though. <laughs> no, that's right. They couldn't. Now, Kate, I mean, we haven't heard from you enough, but as you mentioned, there's lots of opportunities for colouring short hair. What, what, what do you see? Because it's a really a business driver in salons, isn't it? But let's focus on the creative for a moment. Well, I just think, you know, the reality is, like I mentioned before, you can change the texture, thickness, shine, how the hair feels, and it changes the look. So I think you should never underestimate, you know, how you can really, you know, if your client has fine hair and you're using a product like a lightener, it'll help to add volume. So the benefit of that to a short hair client is, you know, a lot of short hair clients might have gone short to start because they had really fine hair and they just felt it looked better short. So, you know, now you consider, you know, using a lightener as well and it feels and looks even thicker again. So I I feel like there's so much opportunity and things that you could talk about to educate your clients mm. and what color actually does to the hair. You know, a product like PHD would make it feel smoother and flatter and easier to blow dry. So if I've got too thick short hair, then that could be a product I could go for where if I've got really fine hair, I might really want to lighten it right up or add texture with lightener or, you know, there's so many different things um, that you should consider. Mm, that's great. And, I mean, honestly, we should have Wade Blackford, the design director for styling here, and we'd have a complete suite of uh, of us all. Uh, <laughs> I want to bring listeners into a little bit of a, a moment, like think about it, Kate and Pascal and James, the times we spent in Croatia and and Italy working on models and things like that. How, how do you negotiate uh, cuts and colours between each other? Well... 
I'm not sure that we do negotiate, really, do we, Pascal? <laughs> we kind of just leave oh. each other alone. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's whoever who gets to do the certain job like first, whether the color of the cut, who's actually in charge, I guess. Well, I feel like you always cut first, right? Basically, well, with short hair, yeah. yes. With, short, yeah. with long hair. Yeah. It's kind of often more for color long hair than it is for the haircut. Maybe, you know. So I think it's it's a well-rounded conversation, but Pascal always, you know, does whatever mm. he thinks and he's in charge <laughs> of that area. So he's going to do a better And then he says, I only want it to be black or white. Yeah, but he's going to do a better job with his ideas anyway than what I'm going to suggest. Right, I I think it's about complementing one another. I I think it's like um, wanting to show the industry or or the world how how good and we are in what we do. It's about taking a step back and tuning down and and think about that taste to to make that taste stand out. Mm. And you know, don't be overpowering with either cut or color. Just make it cohesive, make it work together, and and show the beauty of how you bring out the detail by by doing something understated and then you can put some more statement in the color or the other way around and finding that balance, yeah. you know. I agree. And, and I think that's something I learned, you know, originally when I was collaborating, especially when you're shooting or doing a show, you know, like if someone looks at a person, they shouldn't look at your color first or they shouldn't look at the haircut first. It should be so well-rounded. They look and think, oh, well, how great do they look more? So you, your eye shouldn't go to either if it's well-balanced, unless you're trying to mm. make some ultimate statement. Mm, that's true. <laughs> yeah. We could do a whole other podcast on model <laughs> casting too, by the way. Um, James, you've been quiet in this whole period. <laughs> James likes to come in at the end and mix things up. <laughs> well, I was just thinking when you were talking about being on set and, and in our prep environments, um, I do always have an opinion on everything. I don't know if anyone listens. <laughs> <laughs> we listen always, James. <laughs> yeah. Now, Kate, what are some of the trending colours that you see for short hair right now? So there's so many different trends you can go for. You know, you have high fashion, you have street, and then there's some, you know, major ones that we always look at, like the Pantone shades. Um, Mm. When they're announced, I think they're really great ones. They come up with great stories and design for the year ahead. So this year um, they've announced Ultimate Grey and Illumination. You know, those two really came off due to COVID and hopefulness Mm. and people needing to feel uplifted, and that's how those two were kind of announced. Um, So we're seeing new trends finding their way every day to commercial sellers. Yeah, I love that. Mm. Actually, I think the Pantone uh, guys got it right and it was about renewal and it was about, it was beautiful, yeah? Yeah, like, it's a great story. Jump in, James. Like, Sorry, just, James. I just want to say one thing for a moment there. What's so beautiful about it is we've been talking for a long time about playing with shadow and light and, you know, yeah. you introduce illumination, which is like, you know, gold lit from within and ultimate grey, and you're talking about absorption and reflection of light. So they were mm. perfect pairing. Kate, you must be have been loving that when you saw it. Oh, I was this year, I was like, yeah, wow, I'm I'm into it. The story is awesome. You know, we are constantly wanting to make now gold in hair, which we kind of didn't want to do so much, you know, five and definitely not, you know, 20 years ago. So I think we're seeing yeah. a lot more of that now as well. People are loving even bright yellow hair. But, you know, ultimate grey due to the COVID lockdowns, the possibility of in 
embracing people's natural highlights became real as well. And then people yeah. thinking that actually looks really cool. I want to pump it up and I want to make like a steel or an extra gray reflect in my hair. So I think it's been a really bold move, empowering, you know, gloss colors, like I mentioned, like PhD don't shift your natural hair. So they can be awesome for creating those smoky reflex. Um, and they look like they've grown out of your head because it doesn't shift any of your natural um, hair. And, you know, the other one for us this year, we've had a big um, run around going nude or the nudes. And there are. You know what, Kate, I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> I think that you and your team deserve applause for the launch of nudes. I think it's been one of the most exciting colour launches I've ever actually seen at Kevin yeah. Murphy. And so well done for that. It definitely you know, it was a whole community and I think their concept originally was a bit of a play and, you know, the whole nude thing and then, you know, when the boxes went out it was with a um, beige stocking around it. Mm. So even the way the product was delivered was super exciting and really cool. But those shades have been hugely popular for a few good reasons. You know, they create those natural colours and make the prettiest bronze tones that you've literally ever seen. So they're really yeah. interesting the reflex are you know really colored but they fade completely natural out of the hair and you don't get those thick regrowths as well so these um reflex fade out seamlessly um they're really high fashion and you know being a beige violet they match every skin tone so you can pump them up with the boosters and you can make more blushes or you can make cool violets and you know for me on those eight levels making those bronze tones I, I just can't get enough of them especially you know if you've got really dark clients and you want to refine the whole head you know they're amazing so mm. you know there's a few quick you know ideas for what we've been focusing on a lot and then going into later this year we've got some really cool chocolate ash colors and some violet intenses which are like really violet what about techniques so techniques are, that are great for short hair. Obviously, you know, the perfect platform for balayage and freehand painting, obviously because it's more seamless, it grows out really well. Um, you can add dimension into the hair. So it's super fluid and functional. Um, visually, it creates highs and lows, depth, dimension, texture and brightness, which is a really easy technique, um, super quick as well, which I think today people are looking for faster services and hairdressers don't mm. want clients necessarily in their chairs for four hours. So doing a technique like that, you can get your client in and out much faster. Mm, I think so. It's it's almost like cutter's colour when it's short hair, if that makes sense. And I, yeah. I hate to put the emphasis on the cutters and, and stuff like that, but you, you've uh, put forward some key kind of preparation notes for colouring short hair. What are they? Yeah, uh, you know, if I had short hair and I went to the salon, I don't want to be there for more than two and a half hours. I feel like that's my cutoff. Unless so you're working... having a full head bleach, yeah? Well, even then, like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> no. Pascal can cut faster. Wrap me in um... foil, stick me under heat. No? <laughs> no, not anymore. Those days are over. No, You've got responsibilities now <laughs> as hairdressers. <laughs> yeah, we don't Those like toxic of, shock anymore. <laughs> the days of smoking in the chair and having heat over the head are over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so we did a little list, you know, the key things to look out for. Uh, ensure your foils are not too much longer than the hair. I feel like sometimes people don't cut their short foils short enough and yeah. so there's that extra weight so it slides and it creates bleeding um you know mixing a whisk especially 
instead of your brush or if you're using a brush, grab a clean one to start because, mm. you know, it's really easy to bleed when you're doing short head work because you need to be super tight. So um, use a whisk and work with a clean brush. Um, also, if you're using lightener, don't whisk it too much. Like you want it to be mixed, but you don't want it to be full of air. And to I only learned that, that from you last week when I was mixing your colour. Yeah. Like <laughs> stop mixing it. It's mixed. Like You just keep aerating it and it's just no. obviously you're getting too much air into it and it's it's not going to work as well. So consider what you're doing to your product. Um, so I always say with short hair, often consider working on an angle so you don't get lines in the hair and pivoting on radial sections um, work well to create fluid placement of color as well. So consider where you're placing your section and working radially. Mm. Um, I've only got a couple more. So if you're working with slices, ensure your sections are fine enough so it doesn't create stripes. Um, and then always, especially if you've got buildup of colour, you know, saturate the hair with colour so it's got even lift and deposit. I see often people don't put enough product on the hair and it kind of comes up uneven. So make sure you saturate the hair properly. Um, and I always think with short hair, I, I love to colour it once it's been cut. So have an idea in place. But once it's in front of you, I feel like you always see something mm. different. So you need to be flexible and mm. open to like change your ideas once the look's there. Yeah, I agree. And some of those points, Kate, are incredibly valid, incredibly simple, and simplicity is the key to mastering something. So yeah. James, you have a few more tricks up your sleeve. Can you tell me what short hair three ways is? It sounds... Okay, I'm not going to comment on that. It sounds, it sounds like we're going to have a degustation, doesn't it? No, I don't know. It sounds like you're going to degust something. Well, let's take it back. Let's take the. Let's take it back a moment. So this this relates to hair three ways, but it particularly um, you know is suitable for short hair, and it's the idea that um, you have three approaches when styling hair. You have wash and go, or you know, kind of wash and dry. Um, Relate this to fashion. This is off the rack. This mm. is kind of like you walk up and you buy the rack. You know, the second option is um, if if my stylist can do it, then I can do it. And that's mm. normally what we do on our clients and send them home with. You know, you kind of regular blow dry, you're styling, you're kind of something approachable. I guess it's the equivalent to high fashion because mm. we're delivering high fashion on a daily basis. And then our third option is what um, I like to call hair couture. And mm. it's like it comes with inverted commas, salon visit required. So it's that hot couture moment if we're talking mm. in fashion. And what's important about that is that this is a really good selling tool when talking about short hair with your clients because it is important to remember that short hair has just as much importance when it comes to coming in and having a special do or being able to move between these three different approaches to styling and remembering that there are those elevated moments that only your hairdresser can do for you. Like wash and wear, ready to wear and couture. I love it, James. So how do I achieve yeah. my desired texture or result, oh, you know? Good question. Good question. I mean, let's take into consideration that all great cuts have texture mindfully created um, curated, sorry, and, and created into the into the cup. You know, it enhances the shape, the features, etc. That's already there. But when planning to elevate a texture through styling, then um, this is – I'll share a good breakdown that um, Wade and I have worked quite diligently on, um, giving the voice to pro stylists and how um, – most pro stylists, you know, and especially in like kind of session and editorial environments, approach a texture. Yeah. Um, so the question is, will I 
define, which is to enhance or exaggerate a texture that already exists there? Will I refine, which is to detail, relax, or melt a texture that already exists there? Or will I, thirdly, rework? So rework is basically introducing a new texture that doesn't exist there at all, like curly into straight hair, blah, blah, blah. So, oh, I love um, that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And that's typical Jane's verbiage that I love, and, you know, I'm a big fan, but it's hard to outline without listeners seeing. So let's let's go into it a bit deeper. So let's use some words that we all relate to as hairdressers. Like we've got five main um, results for the season that we've come up with. One is called urban. So urban is a self-made texture. It's an air in the hair finish. It's got a gentle fluff. It's kind of lived in. Um, resort. You know, um, for this season, like Kevin Murphy, we have basically we have like um, a beach texture that we redefine each season. So this season we've got a languid volume texture. You know, um, uh, it was always a Kevin Murphy signature, but um, this one, this this one for this season is particularly just kind of well lived in as well. Um, our third uh, is flawless, which is a polished volume texture. You know, it's Kevin Murphy's take on a sleek finish or a water wave. Um, we're seeing that as a really big trend. Um, a trend that's been translating across over the last year is what we refer to as loaded. It's a well-rested texture. It's a, um, we, we tend to achieve this with a generous use of treatments as stylers. So we tend to use our, you know, our, our oils or our, um, our leave-in serums and we overload them onto, onto damp hair and then back onto dry hair when we laminate. Um, it's all the cool kids doing. It's the cool kids hair of the moment. I texture. love it. I love it. Yeah. What do you think, Kate and Pascal? Well, when it comes to finishing the short haircuts, I, I think uh, I seem to be part of the cool kids because uh, I'm really into overloading hair. With you're uh, into loaded, aren't you? Actually, yeah, yeah. I'm in, actually, I'm very much into loaded, yeah. and uh, I like to overload <laughs> with, with uh, leave-in repair and, and products like Staying Alive, and then just dry it in very gently with a bit of heat and then cooling it down and let the hair do what it does best if you actually succeeded in that haircut you were aiming for. So, um, yeah, I'm a very big fan of uh, just kind of have that kind of density, almost that condensed feeling in hair mm. um, and a little bit like, a little bit sweaty. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, it's a bit funny that I always say, but I, I, I refer to like uh, a shiny kind of complexion in the skin you know it's it's that kind of editorial slightly sweaty healthy looking shine almost a little bit to the point of sweaty but like well proportioned so mm. it looks tastefully done all right, I'm going to go with the urban, a little bit more dewy. <laughs> yes, I, I was thinking that too, Kate. I was thinking dewy. Yeah. I didn't want to use the word moist. I wanted to like, yeah. No, it's true. Someone said it. Um, so, you know, back to the high tea, because we're here to discuss a high tea trend report, which is a quarterly uh, output from Kevin Murphy that will help you accelerate your salon business by being able to navigate trends for your clients. Uh, so there are a collection of looks that have been cut and coloured and I believe you've done Walking in Antwerp and these are available for people to use, James? Uh, yes. So both Walking in Antwerp, the, the and Walking in Antwerp campaign and the Hair Three Ways with a short hair focus, they'll be available to use and launch um, from July the 1st along with the high tea trend. 
Great. So, Kate and Pascal, how will high tea increase your salon business? Because, Pascal, I'm particularly interested in you because I know that haircuts are the bedrock that your salon is built on. Well, I'm... Um... Very excited for Hyde to, to be launched because it, it has a very strong reflection on the clientele that I have built over the last 10 years. Of course, the fact that this is um, shot in Antwerp, where we have casted uh, models from Antwerp, it, it's really uh, a beautiful exposure of um, what's really happening in Antwerp, uh, in, in the high fashion crowd and in, in, in the street culture, that's actually where I'm surrounded by here with my salon. So I'm very excited that I can have Kevin Murphy as a brand, as a source now to, to have that exposure in the salon, uh, with all the images and, and, and how it relates to the products, um, how I was, um, able to be part of that together with the team and, um, how people I think gonna feel really proud to to come to a salon where it's actually reflecting on the city where they're in, and and it has a very strong edge to it when it comes to short haircuts, which is very suitable, uh, I believe, anyhow for the European market. So uh, yeah. I'm super excited about that. That's great, but let's go down to brass tacks. Like short haircuts mean more spend per client, like. Short hair clients have a, a shorter cycle of visiting the salon. And in a way, we'd like them to come more frequently, but the reality is they don't have the time. But, Kate, what what would you say about all of that? I think for short hair clients, like, you know, Pascal, typically five to eight-week cycles of visiting the salon, you know, you don't need, like, one time I can do my balayage or whatever I decide to do on the client, and the next time they come back, I could, like, can make their hair like a fun rose color over that balayage. So if they're experimental, I can completely change their look and offer something that's like a really quick add-on that changes their look. But, you know, also um, over those weeks, you know, what products you're using. So if you're using Rough Rider for the first three weeks um, to create texture and hold, um, so it's moving, you know, and then touchable for the week three to six to create a softer movement where the cut becomes longer. Mm. So things like that, I just think we need to consider about giving our clients just direction and, you know, when you come back, this is what we're going to do and giving them a reason and a journey. Oh, Wade and James, Kate's in your wheelhouse. That's pretty inspired. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, Pascal, what about more loyalty? What do you see with loyalty with people with short hair? Well, uh, personally, I have a clientele uh, where ninety percent is has short hair, <laughs> so the loyalty is 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 very strong. I mean, I'm still on people that uh, on average return every eight weeks, uh, mm. and then a, a smaller crowd is is uh, with like the haircuts that require a lot of perfection and detail. It will be every six weeks, but. Um, I think it, it's in the approach of the haircuts and, and how you create the longevity uh, of the haircut with using the tools that we were uh, discussing before, like the curved scissors and mm. making sure that you really work very well on, on the precision of the haircut, even though if, if it's mm. not a precise haircut that you can. Because create. it'll grow out well. Yeah. They go out really well. And, and yeah. 
the way they grow out is actually very forgiving. It, it, it's one of these things that it transforms from maybe a head-hugging shape into a little bit more of a textured kind mm. of haircut. But it's actually, if it's cut very well, it, it works very well. And of course, we need to like inform them and, and educate them how they can expand that expiry date by, by using the right products. I think Jake that's takes point. I mean, it. I think that's amazing. But let's be honest, guys, we don't want them to last too long. No, <laughs> we actually <laughs> want them to come back more often. <laughs> James, let's go back to this to this report, to this package that people are actually getting that um, people in the Kevin Murphy network will receive. There's a social plan component. Can you outline this for listeners and what assets do they actually receive and how should they use them? Sure. When it comes to um, to the social plan, um, uh, Megan, in our, uh, who heads up our social um, department, she has um, produced a beautiful timeline. Um, it includes uh, like how to plan yourself. Um, the ways to use, I mean, the package is what's beautiful about this package is it's like Lego that you can pull apart, put back together. It can become everything from an article to a social plan to, um, you know, to a, 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 a blog post. Um, but that B in our, in our design department has produced some beautiful tiles. Um, it's a, a photo shoot of our products and they're product pairings. So they have, um, one of our styling products in the center that's the conduit for um to achieve various results on short hair so um when you look at the package at the particular um folder uh mm. that megan's put together it's very clear we never know what to call digital assets anymore do we so the the, the mood boards are, are really important and something that james is particularly inspired in hey what about the mood boards? What do they mean to you? I think mood boards, you know, the reality of something like that, it's just great to have as a reference. And depending on what you're doing in the salon, it's something to, you know, rally people around about the things that you're finding is cool or, you know, what work you want to be doing more or something to show a client. You know, mm. I love a mood board and I think it's just such a great idea reference to have all the time. Right. And what about you, James? Because you put them together. Well, it's good to hear that they're a useful tool, Kate. Um, <laughs> how we, <laughs> um, <laughs> One would hope. <laughs> one would hope. I mean, the mood boards, I mean, they're curated as a visual tool, um, as Kate explained. Um, the idea is they're, you know, allowing conversations around the trends that we've identified in this situation for short hair. Um, we, we draw assets from um, all of our live events. So, we focus on these on these trends as we see them happening, and then we source um, all of the visual images from our Fashion Week events that we work on. Mm, great, Pascal. What's the mood board mean to you? Well, I uh, I translated the mood board also in a salon situation. Now every every two months, I put up a, a whole big wall of a mood board in the salon because you mean you print them out and you put them up with blue tape? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I literally all cool way. I, I print knew them it. out. I print them out, I put them up, and it's a trigger. It's, it's a trigger for us as, as creative people. We need to get triggered, triggered in order to be able to transform it into something uh, <laughs> that we want to design. But I think it's important for the consumer to be triggered. I, I think it's important yeah. for the consumer to be surrounded by, with the right taste. I won't and, argue with you there. No, that's um, true. Yeah, you, you, you might not be able to convince them from the first visit, but if you keep like baiting them into the right taste, eventually 
you, you might be doing things that you never expected that you would be capable of doing for them. So uh, I think it's really important to be visually surrounded with yeah. old school prints, with old school prints to, um, to influence um, one, mm. uh, one another or, or the consumer as well. I mean, with Kate, the colour at her heart, she's used to visual representations, but to some degree in terms of cutting, it's, it's been a, a bit of a longer journey to get there, I'd, I'd say. And so finally, James, where do we get our hands on all of this? So Walking in Antwerp campaign will be live on the 27th of June and shortly after um, expect the high tea package to go live on all the Kevin Murphy platforms um, in from July 1st. Thanks. Well, that's an expression of an expression. Like that's actually our high tea trend report, Express Yourself. I, I realised I couldn't say that twice. And it is based around short hair. And if you don't understand that by this point, I think we're in trouble. Um, as we draw to a close, I'd, I'd actually like to thank our guests and, and my friends. Uh, Pascal, thank you for being here today. It was my pleasure, Nathan. Thank you for uh, for having me. Kate, a very special woman, Kate. I'd love connecting with you all. Thank you for having me. It's been so nice to hear all of your voices and ideas. So it's really great. Thank you. And James, last but not least. Thank you. So good um, to connect. And um, thank you for creating this opportunity to have this conversation. Great. This has been Conversations with Kevin. I'm Nathan Gorman, Headmaster for Kevin Murphy. If you're looking for our high tea trend report, Express Yourself, which is all about short hair, please look across all of our social channels or go to the website www.kevinmurphy.com.au. Till next time, 